what you want, but you got to go home with me. I forgot some good old love, and then I got some in store. When I get through throwing it on you, you got to come back for more. Boys and things will come by the dozen. That ain't nothing but drugs, don't love it. Pretty little thing, let me light your count, cause mama, I'm sure hard to hell and I, yes, around. Hello and welcome to episode 251 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. And pitchers and catchers have officially reported we're starting to get some video out of Blue Jays spring training, and it is exactly a week until our first real game action. And right now, everyone is in their best shape of their lives, including us, Bryson, Jacob. How are you guys? Doing spectacular, Mark. You said it. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. Yusei Kikuchi has a beard. Uh, everyone just <laughs> looks like they're in great shape. Dalton Varsho's hitting bombs and BP or whatever you want to call it. You know, Jose Barrios has got the new haircut, and it looks like he's made some tweaks to his uh, delivery, too. So everyone showed up good. Bo Bichette's in good, <laughs> in good terms with the Jays' front office, and it's just a really exciting time that these guys have finally reported. It actually has felt like it's been a long time, and now we're officially – one week away from them starting great for league games. So it's definitely a good start uh, to the spur for sure. And one thing I do want to mention is it seems as if this team is a little more mature. And what I mean by that is Vladdy was asked, what's the sequel? What's the movie? And he just brushed that away. I think it's fair to say that last year it was a bit of a failed movie. It was a bit of a, a Halloween end situation there. And so I, I think going forward into 2023, Team looks like they're they know what they need to do. They just don't want to brag about it, and they don't want to get just bit in the butt when they blow an eight to one lead and and anything. But I'm happy. Everybody looks good, and I think it's it's just it's going to be a great spring, especially with all the new additions. All right. Well, you mentioned it there. We're going to start off with some of our early spring training impressions, and I guess we can start with what you just mentioned, which is a whole uh, Vladdy King of the Quote thing in the Blue Jays seeing to, seeming to have matured. A little bit, and that was kind of the theme of this offseason, and so far seems to be the theme of this spring training, is the fact that the Blue Jays are not the same team they were when they ended 2022. They are a matured team, a better team, a older team that has a little bit more perspective and a little bit more understanding of what it takes to be a championship team, and they're trying at least so far to not get in their own way. We had a quote from Vladdy, he was asked, you know, last year you said it was, you know, this is last year you said 2021 was a trailer 2022 is going to be the movie what's this year and Vladdy said basically he's not saying anything he's going to let the results of the season speak for itself so it really does seem like we're getting that little stroke of maturity from the Blue Jays who are taking things a little bit more seriously whether for good or for bad I think maybe not treating the Blue Jays as the kings of the quote as they've been labeled by some teams and some people around Major League Baseball and instead just playing baseball and letting the results speak for themselves could be a good thing. I got to be honest, I'm a little bit sad because those quotes are always entertaining, but that seems to be where we're at right now with the Blue Jays. I'm curious what you guys make of the first couple days of spring training. What stood out to you, especially when it comes to what we've seen from the Blue Jays and uh, their kind of maturity level so far? I think, and I know we mentioned the playoffs a lot, but I really do think that 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 did something to them in the sense that they go into this spring and really just this season as a whole is they know what their goal is. It's not to win 90 something games. It's not to win 95. It's to win in the playoffs. And I think that is their true goal. Like you're looking at Barrios. 
he had a, a bad season. He needs to bounce back. He's working on his mechanics. Kevin Gosman, which I'm not going to touch on too much right now, working on his mechanics because there are some changes. Yusei Kikuchi looks completely different. For some reason, people predicting the beard is the Cy Young t- ticket, but whatever. Um, it's like I your think... beard. <laughs> he took notes. <laughs> but um, like, I really do think that this team understands what their goal is, and, and they understand that they have the capability to do that. I, I think it was... Kevin Gosman, just off the top of my head, he said something like, we're ready for the challenge or something like that along the lines to say that, like, we have a good team. We know what this team needs to do. And I think that they are collectively ready to do that. And even with those new additions, Varsho, Kiermaier, Brandon Bell, I don't think we've seen a ton of content from him. At least I haven't. But like the team has gotten a little bit older. They've experienced, unfortunately, some hardships in in the playoffs and not making the playoffs a couple seasons. But they know what their role is and their role is to go out and win so that you can win when it matters. And, and to me, I think that is the biggest thing. And another thing, it just, it seems it's more positive. Like, yeah, Brios Kikuchi had bad seasons, but they're willing to move on from that or they're willing to, to wipe the slate clean and get better this season. Danny Jansen, he didn't even have a bad season, but he looks a lot better. Matt Chapman, to me, his, his swings of, I mean, they, they don't look any different in my opinion, but I think he's still working on it. Kevin Biggio, or sorry, that sounds bad, actually. What I mean is he's working on his mechanics and he he still looks good. And you've seen guys like Biggio taking reps in the infield. He's looking good. Vladdy, with that quote, he's saying, no, 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 we're, we're a focus group right now. Bichette saying he's happy with the whole arbitration thing being out of the way. And he just wants to focus on the season. And I think that's just the, the big thing here is, the, the whole team hasn't even reported yet, but the players that have, and it's a lot of them, but the players that have reported, they understand that their goal is to win so that they can win in the playoffs. And they're they're just focused on doing that. And I think, it unfortunately, Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., they were big parts of the team. However, I think that if you really consider what they've brought in instead, I think it makes a lot, a lot more of a mature group and a, a group that is willing to really hunker down when they need to. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say this. Uh, the Dark Knight was like one of the best sequels of all time. So Vladdy could have, you know, said it was going to be a good sequel. But I'm just, okay, I understand. <laughs> I, I thought it would have been cool, cool if you said something along the lines like that. But look, the smart thing for him, of course, because he did get a lot of heat from that last year about that movie comment. And there was some Twitter account, I think that it's like an old takes exposed thing. At the, I think we actually spoke about it on this before, where they pretty much called out Vladdy at the end of the year and said it was a failure or whatever. And the point is, is it got a lot of backlash from a lot of, I guess, in particular, a lot of fan bases within the AL East. And I think most notably was like Yankees fans or something like that. So the smart thing for him was to go into this year to be a little bit more quiet about it. I think we're all kind of in favor of that, honestly. And I think that there have been, as much as we hate saying this or saying this, because this is something that we also said at the end of the year, is that perhaps this team has learned some stuff. And you just look at the entire overhaul this past offseason, it does seem like there's a bit more of a... Um, a maturity vibe to what we've seen so far in camp. Of course, it's only starting. I mean, pitchers and catchers report was only a few days ago, but everyone was already basically there like on Monday, way before the actual date. So I think a lot of people were, were pretty confused with that, knowing that 
you know, pitchers and catchers are supposed to report at the end of the week, but then you see Vladdy and Bo and George Springer are all reporting on Monday. So they're ready to get to uh, ready to get to work. You can see it with them showing up early. I think Don Mattingly's had a good early impression as well, working with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base. So that's something that's been, I guess, kind of like a highlight from the people who have been filming videos and um, practice drills and all of that. So that's obviously the main takeaway with Vladdy. And we want to see how he's going to, you know, not bounce back this year, but how he's going to, try and go back to the way he was in 2021. I think he also admitted uh, a couple days ago or whenever it was when he was speaking with the media at some point this week that he just felt like he was chasing too much. He was getting a little too eager. And I think that's something that we all noticed. I mean, there was a lot of ground balls that came out of him last year, and it just wasn't the same Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that we saw in 2021. So he's an interesting one to see how he's going to try and transform back to 2021 Vladdy. But of course, it wasn't a bad season for him last year. So it's kind of hard to... Or it's, it's difficult to explain, but I think a lot of people understand what we're trying to say with that. And I'm sure Vladimir Guerrero Jr. understands is that, too. Another impression um, that I had, I think everyone was kind of anxious to hear. This was early on in the week when Bo Bichette showed up and he spoke to the media about it. And I, Mark, I think you actually sent a clip to um, one of our Discord or the, the general chat. And you showed the clip or the statement from Corbin Burns on Milwaukee about how he was disappointed with arbitration and how the team basically threw him under the bus for being one of the reasons why they didn't make the playoffs. And for those of you who, again, at the time when Bo Bichette signed, saying this doesn't solve anything for his upcoming free agency, it really does. And you want a prime example, look at just what happened with Corbin Burns, who is a Cy Young pitcher, and he's getting called out by his team in court for not making the playoffs and all of that. And they won the case against him, but already that relationship now looks like it's a bit damaged. And the problem with those is you don't know if it's ever going to recover. So that's an example where you look at it and you say, you'd rather be in Bo Bichette's shoes. You avoid the system, you avoid the process. And even Bo Bichette came out and said it, it's a flawed system. It's a flawed process. And they did everything they could both sides to get a deal done. And of course, continue the idea that I guess extension talks long-term are always ongoing. Uh, that's what Ross Atkins said. And of course, yesterday in his quote, he said, we're very excited with the additions. And that's just, that's just like the, the slam dunk uh, Ross Atkins go-to answers when he says we're really excited. So it was good to see that. Cause I've missed that. Bo Bichette looks happy. George Springer looks healthy. He said, it feels good to feel good. And basically it looks like that, that, and the thing that we did learn too, is that as much as we knew that elbow injury last year was bad. Um, it, it turns out, like, I feel like it was a lot worse than we even thought. Like, John Schneider basically came out and said, in a perfect world or in a perfect season, we would have shut him down midway through and he would have had surgery. Like, he was essentially playing on one arm. And you just to see how, as much as I guess his numbers are at least power uh, near the at the plate near the second half of the season dipped a bit, you can see the struggle that he did have and give him credit for going out there as much as he could. I know he, uh, he had an eye Elston at the end of the year for a bit, but for the most part, he was playing as much as he was in, uh, or he was playing hurt. And you got to feel a little bit more optimistic that we're going to come into the season, a little bit of a lighter workload in right field for him so far. So good. I'm sure it's going to be something where his status is going to be monitored, um, and pretty much being watched, uh, with the very close eye. And of course, a part of that is Kevin Kiermaier coming in at center field. Pretty cool to see him already there. Dalton Varsho, you guys mentioned it. And of course, the two interesting ones for me, um, and I think for a lot of people, are going to be Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi. I mean, Kikuchi's got a beard. He's got a beard like Jacob now, so he must feel invincible. And it looks like he's another one, along with Jose Barrios, where there's been tweaks in terms of delivery to the plate. So I think uh, Barrios, you know, when he starts with the windup, or his glove is basically a little bit lower, or it's, or it's along the lines like that. It's a lot different than what we saw last year 
where he was basically swinging his arms like past his ear at one point near the second half of the season. So those are two guys that are going to be, or at least Jose Brios, in my opinion, is going to be that X factor uh, in the starting rotation. And then Yusei Kikuchi, basically, as we learned what happened with Mitch White, he's got... I mean, it's his job to lose in terms of being that fifth starter. So both guys need to have a good early indica- or early impression in spring training, and both guys need to be ready to go for the season. And those are going to be, I guess, two highlights that we look forward to this year. And, of course, we'll touch on Kevin Gosman later. And the last thing is Danny Jansen looks like he's also put on a lot of weight in terms of muscle, and he looks like he's smoking the ball so far in BP. So that's also going to be something to keep an eye out for as well this spring training. I know everyone's dumping the hype on Danny Jansen right now, but I don't really want to join that party. I'm excited, and those videos that we've seen are encouraging, but like we talk about this every year. Everyone's in the best shape of their lives, right? So talking about how this guy put on weight or this guy's swing is different doesn't really encourage me that much until we see the results on the field. So I'm not going to get too excited as much as it is tempting to do so because that's what spring training is about. The thing I will get excited about is Yusei Kikuchi's beard, because first off, it looks great, uh, kind of like Jacob's beard, although I think Yusei Kikuchi's beard looks better close. than Jacob's it's way better. beard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I'm excited to see what powers his beard gives him, um, and yeah, I think the fact that we've seen him and Barrios like fiddling with their delivery a bit, that's something that I can get excited about, because as much as like Danny Jansen was a competent offensive player last season Barrios and Kikuchi clearly needed to make changes and the fact that they have and the fact that we're seeing those so early in spring it's exciting and I can't wait to watch what they do and of course you know in a week's time when we see the Blue Jays starting spring training and every single game that's televised or every single game that they appear in period we're going to be watching them probably more closely than any other player on the Blue Jays because they are two of the biggest wild cards on this team right now they I think hold the most ability to change the outcome of the 2023 season for the Blue Jays and that sounds weird to say about someone like I guess you say Kikuchi it seems weird to put in that conversation it kind of already makes sense for Jose Brios given what he was expected to do coming into this team but it sounds strange to say that but it's because they could change how this rotation shapes up on a dime If they are good, if they are solid, if they are what the Blue Jays expected to get out of them last season, the Blue Jays are in really, really good shape. They have probably one of the best rotations in baseball. If both those guys don't show up, the Blue Jays are in trouble. You're stuck in a situation, and we're going to talk about this later, where maybe you're relying on someone from the minor leagues like Ricky Tiedman. Maybe you're relying on a trade. You're throwing Mitch White in there. You're throwing other guys in there. Um, It gets bad quickly if the Blue Jays don't get solid performances this year out of Yusei Kikuchi and out of Jose Brio. So that's obviously going to be something we're watching through the spring, and I think that's probably the biggest storyline that I'm going to be following throughout the, the next, what, month and a half. It's what are these guys bringing? What are they showing? Are they showing that they've improved and changed from last year? Because that is honestly what might kill the Blue Jays this season. It's ride or die with them at this point, it seems. And not to say if they don't show up, the Blue Jays are screwed because I think we saw what the Blue Jays can still do even without them in 2022. But I think, you know, that's the difference between maybe a 90-win team and a 100-win team is whether Jose Brios and whether Yusei Kikuchi are pitching at the top of their game. So the importance of that can't be overstated and the early videos we've seen and 
Again, Yusei Kikuchi's beard, I hope it gives him special powers and that we see him really performing in 2023. Um, the other thing to talk about that you mentioned, Bryson, would be the Kevin Gosman-Bach side of things. So we know that Major League Baseball is supposedly cracking down on box and the way pitches are delivered this season and this kind of has a tie-in with some of the other rule changes the pitch clock that we're seeing instituted this year and so um, umpires are going to be more stringent and more strict with the way they apply the Bach rule and because of that um, Kevin Gosman's toe tap is going to be an issue and so far this spring we've seen a couple videos of him working on a delivery without the toe tap with him coming to a full stop before he continues with his motion and of course we saw this crop up last year in Baltimore when um, I think he got called for what two box in a row and then he kind of charged at the umpire and it was a whole thing and um, that seemed weird because he had been making the exact same delivery all day and the exact same delivery all season and never been called on it before but now that we know that umpires are going to be a little bit more strict obviously Gosman's got to make a change so I don't know if that'll mess up his delivery, I don't think it will because it seems like a pretty small change just coming to a full, concerted, well-thought-out stop before he continues his delivery. But that's uh, that's one more thing we're following this spring. Well, I'm sure it's going to be a little awkward to have to modify your delivery, but he's doing it early. And I mean, the season, what day is it? I don't even know what day it is. February 18th. Like, we still have a long, long time until the games actually matter. So worst case, he gets called for six box all spring. Like, you know, doesn't matter as long as he can work on his delivery. And so I'm not really uh, concerned about that. But when it comes to Yusei Kikuchi, as the great James Harden once said, and I don't know if he said it, but somebody said it, <laughs> fear the beard. I'm telling you, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. But uh, anyways, I want to go back to something you said about um, the season being determined by Kikuchi and Barrios. And I agree with Barrios. This is the first year of his extension kicking in, like the Blue Jays need him to to really come back into his own like they need him even high threes mid threes is what I think they can rely on him to get and, and at the end of the day like I know I, I know we mentioned the playoffs or at least I mentioned the playoffs too much but if you're in the 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 championship series world series any type of four uh, or seven game series where you need to win four games yeah you can like theoretically rely on three reliever or three starters, but I think you do need to have Brios as part of that. And we saw it, I think a couple seasons ago, or not a couple seasons ago at this point, but a while back when, you know, the Blue Jays were in that and they, they were getting beat by pitching and some of it was relief pitching. But anyways, I think Jose Brios can be one of the difference makers and MLB put out on Instagram and Twitter. I think their season rankings or standings uh, rankings and the Blue Jays second in the AL East. Okay. Fair enough. Whatever. Yankees were first. 89 wins though. Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I think that's a bit of a, uh, a bit of an understatement of what they can do. And I mean, the comments somebody said like, whoever made this list list needs to be fired. So I don't really, uh, you know, it seems like it's not just me that's angry about it. But I think that part of those rankings are, you know, you need to rely on a on a Jose Brios bounce back season. And I think he can do it. And I know I said a lot of things about him last season, but I really do think that after. The, the trials of that season and realistically like yeah it was a bad season but when you look back at his month to month or even just game to game numbers he would have good games but then he'd have like a two inning nine earn run appearance and that would you know, inflate his era and when you have unfortunately six or seven of those maybe not to that extent but when you have that many 
really, really bad appearances, it's going to inflate your ERA. But I think that he's somebody that is going to bounce back and the team wants him to bounce back. And they're not like bounce back or else you're off the team. Like he knows that they want him to be there and that he's going to be there. So he, I do believe that he's going to bounce back, but when it comes to Yusei Kikuchi, I think he's going to be better than last season. I mean, really, realistically, how can he be worse than last season? But if he's not, I don't think it's the end of the world because Nate Pearson looks healthy. You have other options. I I really like. We're a month and a half out of the season. We do not know whether Nate Pearson is going to be healthy or not. We only know he's going to be healthy when he's on the field or a starter. Okay, fair enough. Well, okay, fair enough. What I'm getting at here is he's the the fifth starter, Yusei Kikuchi. And worst case, he's not what you need him to be. Or even if he is like a high fours, I mean, I don't think that that's good. I think they need to have better than that. But I still think that if you can get a good season out of Barrios, you have a solid one through four. I really don't think that the fifth starter would be as drastic. Like, yes, obviously it still would he be. He still matters. He still matters. Like, the difference between getting, like, first half 2021 Yusei Kikuchi, which is, I looked up the number, 348 ERA, compared to, like, second half Yusei Kikuchi and 2022 Yusei Kikuchi, where he's got, like, a 5 ERA, that difference is huge. Especially when you talk about the alternatives to Yusei Kikuchi, which is, like we said, Nate Pearson, who I'm not betting anything on right now, or Mitch White. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, getting a healthy, good Yusei Kikuchi could be a really, really big game changer for this team. No, I I do think it's going to be a difference maker, but I think marginally speaking, Barrios having a better season than last season is going to impact the team more than than it won't. Because he realistically, I think he's going to get into more games and, and the leash is a lot longer for him. Like if Kikuchi's not as good, you can throw out somebody. Like you can, you, you have other alternatives that worst case... Oh, Kikuchi has two or three bad starts in a row. Okay, you're off the, the rotation for, you know, a start or two, or we skip him or something like that. So that's, that's I think, the big thing there is you need to have a big bounce back from your seven-year extension guy in Jose Barrios. And I think it's going to happen. I hope it also happens for Kikuchi, but I will be more concerned if Barrios doesn't have a good season than I would be of Kikuchi. I'll ask you guys quickly. Uh, I heard it on Blair and Barker. Over under 15 starts for Kikuchi this year. Over. I'm confident. I've had a pretty uh, decent week with betting, so I'm going to take the over. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, I think it's fair uh, that it isn't over. I mean, you look at it, and I agree with you about how Barrios bouncing back is a bigger impact. However, what the points that Mark was saying are very true as well. Like, I mean, he could be a major deciding factor, uh, Kikuchi, if he really performs well at that fifth spot. And I mentioned it earlier. I mean, he seems to be. It seems to be his job to lose at this point, and He's impacted as the fifth starter a lot, too, because of um, it just other than or behind him, I guess, other than Mitch White, you know, the depth other than, I guess, like a, a Ricky team and like any the depth other than those prospects. It's not the strongest, but there's a couple guys there. Zach Thompson's a guy that you uh, you mentioned, Mark. And of course, the, we haven't even mentioned him at all yet. And he's back with the team is Drew Hutchison. He's also an option in terms of on the depth chart, I guess, a couple below you say Kikuchi, but these are guys that Kikuchi could easily, or at this point, of course, he enters camp ahead of them, and he can just stay ahead of them, and he just needs to show his signs of improvement, and it's basically that that fifth job's his, and he needs to perform, and the same goes with um, same goes with Barrios, but I mean, going back to Kevin Gosman as well, it's just the whole Bach rule, it, it's going to be it's going to be weird uh, this year in general, I think. There's going to be a lot of, you know, it's 
just uncertainty around these rules. I mean, you talk about it uh, in terms of the pitch clock, in terms of the shifting, uh, in terms of, and of course, the boxer now are a heavy uh, topic of conversation. It just, I wonder how messy it'll be in spring training. Like, I feel like that's obviously going to be the biggest experiment because it's going to be the first time people are adjusting to it. But at the same time, these guys are professionals and I don't expect it to be, you know, like a th- something that really holds them back. Like it, it should be something where if you give them a couple starts, they should be able to uh, bounce back from it or adjust to it. And I think you look at Kevin Gosman as well. We saw the situation last year in Baltimore where he was called for a balk when he basically does that, I guess, that movement with his leg, like every pitch. Like, I mean, if you call it a balk then, you could have called it a balk at any other point. And you don't, you don't want that to become a thing in terms of, what's a Bach and what's not a Bach. So I actually kind of respect Major League Baseball for coming out and trying to establish what a Bach is because I think that would be a major issue this year as well in terms of, I mean, the pitch clock. Pitchers are going to have to get back to the mound quicker and the game's going to be a little bit faster than what we've seen before. So this is something that they're all trying to crack down early and it really impacts other guys as well. I mean, but the problem was, and Kevin Gosman said it, it, you know, you hate to be one of the focuses, I guess, on their statement or just one of the targets. And it, it just seems like Kevin Gosling is going to be a guy that, unfortunately, umpire is going to be watching a lot this year from because of his reputation of holding, you know, moving his leg, uh, I guess, up and down until he really pitches. So he's going to have to find, a, I guess, a moment where he officially plants his leg. And it needs to be definitive for, obviously, an umpire to go through with it. And, I mean, we've seen other stars, I mean, around the the game that have been highlighted in this. I mean, another notable highlight for me is Luis Garcia on the Houston Astros. He does, like, the rock when he's winding up, and it's a very, very interesting windup. And, unfortunately, that's not even allowed anywhere from him as well. So he's going to have to completely change his windup. So I feel like that's going to be a little bit more of a an adjustment for him than Gosman. So I'm not too worried about Gosman having to adjust to it. And, again, with all these guys, they're professionals. They're going to find a way to get through it anyway or get around it, and they're going to find a way to quickly adjust to it and that's just you know that's the game you got to make adjustments and that also translates back to Barrios and Kikuchi I'm glad that both of them have found I guess the opportunity to bounce back or sorry not to bounce back to adjust the rotation or their windup and you were talking about Jose Barrios's inflated ERA like when we look back on 2022 let's let's just admit it from the start like going back to a opening day when we were all in the building from that moment on, his ERA was inflated, and he couldn't get it down, unfortunately, whatsoever. Um, there were signs throughout the year where he'd have one or two, and you feel like that's good progress, and then he'd have a start where it would completely fall apart from him around it. And I think one of those starts as well that I remember, because I was there, unfortunately, was the Guardians game. Uh, it was either in July or August when he allowed, it was like eight or nine in runs at home, because there was also that longest period where there were splits about how he was better on the road or better at home or whatever, but it just completely fell apart, I thought, even more in the second half of the uh, the season. And it was really a, th- a thing where with Barrios, you just you didn't know what the issue was. And I don't think he knew what the issue was as well. Like, it just kind of unexpectedly happened. But then, of course, a, g- a game where you have to make adjustments, he clearly won in the offseason looking to make adjustments. I mentioned it. His windup now where his glove is, it's now lower at his belt. And he's showing less of his glove when he completely rotates and delivers the ball. So he's clearly someone that's committed to it. Kikuchi's a little bit of the opposite. When he starts now with his glove, it's higher at his chest when it was uh, near his belt last year. So these both of these guys have understood that they need to make adjustments in order to pitch better. 
Barrios is an X-Factor. Kikuchi could be huge out of the fifth spot. And there's not too much depth besides prospects behind Kikuchi. So he's going to have a little bit of leeway, I think, at the beginning of the year. And the fact that Mitch White as well had a shoulder issue and he's a little bit delayed in terms of his buildup, this is Kikuchi's job to lose. And it just feels like it's automatically set in stone. And the other thing I was also wondering about, I don't know if you guys agree or not, it just feels like entering camp this year, like a lot of the team is basically already decided. There's not a lot of... Who's going to be this? Who's going to be that? Of course, there's going to be a couple, you know, bullpen names at the back half where you don't know for sure what's going on. But in terms of positionally and the starting rotation, like this team is basically already set in stone and you already really know what you're You already kind of know what's happening or at least what's going to come on the opening day roster. Yeah, like we kind of already know the starting pitching staff. The bullpen, there's going to be some variables there, but then you also look at like there's no real competition for any of the starting roles in the outfield or the infield. And then like, even you look at the bench and like Brandon Belt is going to be secured a bench spot. Like you got, I, I don't know. There's not th- that many variables, which kind of is good, I guess, from a team perspective. Like it's good to go in knowing that what you have, who you're going to put where. And a lot of it is because the Blue Jays went out and acquired these guys in the off season so they're like relatively good players. But then part of it is also kind of sad because it, it limits the excitement that we get in spring training, right? There's no like, I don't know what name you want to pick out of, you know, guys who have impressed in the past and made a run in spring training to get a role. But like there's there's not going to be much of that this season. And maybe we get surprised, like maybe spring training surprises us. But I think uh, that's one of the, the sad things, but also good things for the Blue Jays, I guess. I don't know. It's it's interesting to watch. Um, outside of spring training, one thing I did want to mention in today's episode is the fact that the Blue Jays or Sportsnet is continuing with this trend that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the broadcast, and they are not sending their play-by-play man on the radio, Ben Wagner. They're not sending him on the road for road games. They are keeping him in the Sportsnet studio, broadcasting virtually. And we saw this for a lot of last season, but towards the end of last year, he started to go out on the road. And so at least it was my impression that we would see him do the same again this year. And I don't know, it's it's just really disappointing that Sportsnet isn't investing that amount of money in sending this guy on the road. I mean, it's not a lot. Like you're already coordinating plans for... Hazel May to go on the road, for Dan Schulman to go on the road, for Buck Martinez to go on the road. Um, In some cases, you're going to be coordinating plans for other guys to go on the road. And then you've got, of course, your written staff as well. You're going to have Arden Zwelling on the road. You're going to have Ben Nicholson-Smith on the road. Um, You're going to have all these people who you're already sending out. I don't understand why Sportsnet is sacrificing the quality of the broadcast over one guy. And it's frustrating because they haven't been wanting to invest in radio for a while now. You go back to last season with Wagner staying home for a lot of the games. You go back to 2021, I believe it was, when they were simulcasting the radio and TV at the same time for most of the season until the Blue Jays got back home in July. Um, I don't know. It's just really disappointing that the Blue Jays or sport. I, I keep confusing Blue Jays and Sportsnet, but Sportsnet isn't investing this money into the radio product because, um, I don't know. I think it's worth it. I, I, I mean, people listen to the radio. I listen to the radio. Um, it's a thing you listen to in the car or when you're on a jog or 
whatever it might be. And I think uh, it's disappointing that Sportsnet isn't investing more in it. And we see, you know, past Blue Jays legends like Jerry Howarth, he was quoted in a story about how, you know, this isn't right. It's not right to, to, you know, kind of put out a half-assed product on the airwaves because that's what the Blue Jays and Sportsnet are doing. They're not investing you know, a full amount of money to be able to do the job right. So I don't know. It's, it's disappointing. I don't know if you guys feel as passionately as I do about it, because obviously I listen to the radio more than you guys, I think, but, um, I I'm really frustrated by it. And I'm also really frustrated by the fact that Sportsnet isn't putting another person in the broadcast booth with Ben Wagner, because the broadcast suffers when they don't have another person there. But, um, bottom line, I don't know. I'm, I'm really disappointed with this news. From Sportsnet, and again, we talked last week about like how we do have a really good broadcast crew. How we're lucky to have Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez, and you know all these guys on the broadcast crew who are some of the best in baseball at what they do. But I don't know; it just doesn't make sense to me that Sportsnet isn't investing in their radio product, and it's really disappointing, especially when they're only one of like a handful of Major League Baseball teams across the thirty teams that don't have a fully fledged, fully supported radio program so i'm a little disappointed by that yeah talk about just screwing over the radio like it i don't i don't listen to the radio but it doesn't mean that there aren't people that do listen to it and i've said this before i don't like i primarily watch it on tv unfortunately i can't get 590 on my car for like whatever reason but if i could listen to it i would listen to it every day and i think that the people they deserve to you know listen to better quality uh, radio broadcasts and you know you, you mentioned it dan shulman buck martinez hazel may they're all extremely good at what they do even Ben Wagner, I do. I love when I see him on Blue Jay Central, or even occasionally. I think he does some spring training games with Buck or whatever. Like, but I've seen him, you know, you know, in the 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 uh, the TV side of things, and I do like him, and I'd love to see him get you know that better treatment. I, I guess maybe the only explanation, other than finances, is maybe they want to just have him closer to the Sportsnet studio so he can do Blue Jay Central. But I I I don't think that that's the likely reason. It's not good. I don't like it. And I think that, I mean, hopefully they change it. I, I highly doubt it at this point, but I, I don't like that they did that. Like they should have, they should put him out there on the road. Like he's only, he's going to feel as if he's not really part of the team. Oh yeah. Hey, I see you half the time. Like you come home for a week. Okay. We'll, you know, we'll see everybody. And then they go away for a week or two weeks, whatever. I don't like that. And I, he should be going with everybody just put them on the plane like it's not that hard and i'm sure it's more complicated than that <laughs> but um yeah it, it i think the the general consensus is that it, this is a bad idea and then and it to me it's just kind of disrespectful to say okay you're on you're employed by the team but you only go there for really half the games and you just call the rest of them from wherever can you just rewind a second say like explain how you can't get it on your car i don't understand that okay so i i don't understand this but Whenever I go to AM radio and I'm trying to find the signal. When you're it, tuning it, it, yeah. Yeah, it just goes like way above 590. I don't know why. <laughs> and it's it's what? I, it's like a an aftermarket radio. So it's not like I can just individually like search up the numbers or whatever. It's a good, by the way, I, I, like uh, we're not sponsored, but it's a good radio. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> basically, I cannot get 590 to show up on my on my radio. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Probably that is the case, but... 
I don't know. I can't. I, I think so. But it's weird because you don't live that far from Toronto. Like, I've had experiences where I'm driving in, like, the Niagara area, and the, the coverage is really, really spotty for 590. Yeah, the signal. For yeah. you, closer to Toronto, like, it shouldn't be a problem. Well, you can't even get know. the signal. You can also, by the way, just, you can listen on, I guess you have to pay for it separately, but... MLB TV does carry all the radio broadcasts. So you can listen to it that way if you're really passionate and hate your car. That's, I just find that interesting. But uh, anyways, I mean, going on what you both of you said, yeah, like, I think I saw somebody say it's what, like, you're basically, it's basically an extra plane ticket and an extra hotel room. And it just feels like they can't get that to work for Ben Wagner. I mean, he's already going alone. Like you said, Mark, he's been calling games separately for a few years now. And I just, I remember it kind of brought back some flashbacks when you talked about 2021, like as much as we love Ben Wagner and then you had Hazel May around the diamond. Like it was, it was very weird when he was doing like just reporting it. Like he would, he would just report like from like the fifth inning and he'd be like in the outfield. And then like, like that'd be the only time you see him. It was just, it was just strange because Hazel May basically does that job, but Ben Wagner was basically do it from a different spot of the state. It was just really odd that they obviously couldn't find a permanent role for him in that position. I mean, rightfully so. You were simulcasting games from the broadcast, which turned out to be awful in terms of, and it's no disrespect to the guys on TV. It's just, Mark, you've said it so many times. It's just a very different call in terms of when you're on the radio compared to on TV. And as again, we spoke about it uh, on our last episode when you were obviously the most passionate about the radio. And it just... It just it's another disappointing because we we touched on it last week about how he's going to be alone this year again and you just feel like we were past that stage now we were getting back everything was hopefully going back in the right direction for the radio but uh, unfortunately that's not going to be the case again so we're kind of at the point where we were at the start of last season and it's I guess it's unclear if at any point during the season that Ben Wagner is going to be able to travel but I mean, we know the limitations of not being there, and it just it gives us so many flashbacks to 2020. Even, I mean, when Dan and Buck were calling games in at the time the Tim and Sid studio, the amount of times that they would say, "Sorry guys, we're not at the ballpark. You know, we we don't have access to as much as we would if we were there." The same obviously applies to the radio, and it's just basic understanding that takes away from the quality of what you have on the radio. So it's disappointing on that part, and it's un- like it's unclear again if it's going to be changing at some point throughout the year but it just feels odd that they can't I guess figure something out with that and they just maybe they just like you guys were saying maybe they just don't have a lot of focus on it which is definitely disappointing because a lot of people love listening to the games on the radio regardless if they're in their car obviously other than Jacob's car but or if they just like (laughs) listening to the game compared to watching it there's a lot of people who prefer to do that so that's why it comes with disappointment, and of course, Jerry Howarth is um, obviously disappointed. I mean, what would Tom Cheek think? That's another thing that comes to my mind for another, obviously, Blue, Blue Jays radio legend. So it's just, unfortunately, that's going to be the case again this year, and you you were talking about it too. Like, you're, you're basically away from the team, and you look at the calendar already. The first three weeks of the season, the Jays are going to be on the road before they come home for their delayed home opener because of the renovations. Like... You won't hear from Ben Wagner until April 11th, and the season starts at the end of March. Like that's uh, already three series out of the belt where he's are going to kind of be distanced from the team, and he's going to be do- doing everything he can to call the game as best as he can from a studio. And it's just it's definitely disappointing. So hopefully, at some point this year it changes. But at the same time, it should never obviously have come to this point. This should have been something where it's an automatic that he's traveling with the team, and it's just not going to be the case uh, for the start of this year. Yeah, and I think ultimately, like, it is about more than just, like, what you can see on a monitor. Like, there's a lot that you learn about a team from being 
around a team, like hanging around the batting cages, doing that sort of reporting in person um, that you learn a lot. Like how many times on the broadcast listening to Buck and Pat do we hear Pat say something like hanging around the the dugout or the batting cages and watching this guy swing and having conversations with him about what's going on and like that sort of stuff really informs what happens on a broadcast and what is being talked about and making sure that you know first everything is accurate but second that fans are getting all the information they want about this team and so not having Ben Wagner there is gonna cause the broadcast to suffer in a lot of ways so I don't know disappointed in Sportsnet for that decision um Well, we've got some questions from our listeners that we want to get to before the podcast is over. But before we get to that, we want to reintroduce a segment that we've had for the last couple of years. In 2021, it was Alec Manoa. In 2022, it was Gabriel Marino. And this year, we are introducing Ricky Tiedman Watch. Ricky Tiedman. So, every single year in spring training, we choose a player to track a prospect that we think is going to make their debut that season, and then at the start of the year, we put in our over-unders, our dates, our predictions of when this player will make their Major League debut, and we track it over the course of the season, we adjust it as news comes up, and we see who is right and wrong, and so... On this, the very first instance of Ricky Tiedman watch as we head into spring training. Um, we're going to go around the circle, around the horn, and get all your thoughts on when Ricky Tiedman will make his Major League debut. I'll let you two think for a minute. So I'm going to put out my thoughts. Ricky Tiedman has just appeared in Double A. He had a couple of appearances there the last season. For the majority of the season, he spent it in high A Vancouver. Um, I think he's going to start the season in double A again. I think he's going to get some reps there. Shout out to the Fisher cats whose hat I'm wearing. Um, and then I think he'll get called up to triple A and ultimately I think his major league debut will come on July 18th. So the way I got to this is I was looking at Gabriel Marino's path as kind of a, a guiding star for all of this because Marino was a little bit more advanced in 2021 heading into the 2022 season. He had appeared in AAA and spent a lot of the season in AA. So I think Tiedman is a little bit behind that. But then again, I didn't expect Marino to get called up that early. But then we had some catcher injuries and Marino got called up. And I think it was Detroit where he made his major league debut. And so I think we may end up seeing the same thing with Ricky Tiedman. However, I don't think it'll happen after the trade deadline, because in that case, the Blue Jays would have already added in this hypothetical situation, a starter or someone to replace anyone who may have been injured or any needs that they may have had. So I don't think it'll happen after the trade deadline. So I'm going July 18th and just to match it up with a series, that's the opening day of a three game series against the San Diego Padres. And it's at home, which I think lines up nicely. So July 18th is my first prediction on when Ricky Tiedman will make his major league debut let's go around the horn what do you guys think so let me see here I'm trying to figure out what their exact schedule is but I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach I think I think it's going to be a little bit earlier uh, I was originally going to say a little bit of an earlier date nothing crazy I'm thinking July 
first they play a game. I'm just trying to see what game it is. They play Boston. The okay, you're quicker than me. Yeah. So I think um <laughs> You think he's gonna make his major league debut on Canada Day? Uh, wouldn't be well, I, I mean yeah. Damn. Okay, are we saying call up or or major league debut? I think he'll get that is called. isn't that the same thing? No. I, I think because like Marino, I think got called up a couple days before. Mm. He oh, okay. You're talking about actually yeah. pitching. Okay. So like, then, okay, yeah. I think okay. major league debut is what we should be going for. Okay, so I think he gets called up that day, but I don't think he plays for at least a couple days. I, I would say I'd put it at the third against. See who that is. That's a Monday. They don't play on the third. <laughs> okay, so never mind. Yeah. They're not going to be that day. Um, oh boy, you could go the fourth. Yeah, the fourth July is what 4th I'm fourth against the White Sox. Gonna... Okay, so yeah, I mean it's on the road, unfortunately, but I'm I'm going to say he gets called up the first. He pitches the fourth. I I just I doubt that he, uh, or maybe gets called up the second. But I think he's going to pitch on the fourth. I highly doubt that uh, he's going to get called up and then pitch the same day. But I think that's I think they would do way. that. I don't mm, think I mean, they would waste mm. the roster spot on someone who's not pitching. For a couple days. Well, yeah, fair enough. Okay, so maybe maybe they call him up the third. He pitches the fourth. Okay, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> that Important was, distinction. It was a struggle to <laughs> that read. Was, the that was, no, but okay, yeah, they call him up on the off day. I think they did that with Manoa too. I could be wrong, or it was late in the day, like five or six p.m. But call him up the third, pitches the fourth. All right. Um, I'll take a even more different approach from both of you. Um, I just. I think a lot of it is going to be factored around Yusei Kikuchi's leash as well. And then you've mentioned, or we, we've mentioned the other guys who are in AAA, who aren't prospects like uh, Zach Thompson, Drew Hutchison. I think Thomas Hatch is even floating around still down there. We also, I gave you guys the over-under on Kikuchi. We both took, or all of us took the over on 15 starts. Last year when he made his 15th start, uh, it was, or I should say, he made 20 starts last year before he went to the bullpen. But then he had that time period where he went on the, he had the phantom IL stint. And basically, he made his relief debut August 18th at Yankee Stadium. Uh, So his 20th start would have been August 15th. I'm going to be, I I don't think I'm going to, going to see Ricky Tiedman on my watch until at some point in August. I think it's going to be later than both of you guys predicted. I definitely think it's going to be closer to Mark's date, though. I just don't see anything remotely possible until around the halfway part of July. But for me, I'll say I'll say at some point in August, looking at uh, what I see, I'll say August 11th uh, against the Chicago Cubs on a Friday. I, around there, I think we'll see him. I just think we're going to have to see a couple other guys before him. Mark, you mentioned it. He's going to be starting in double-A. At some point, he's obviously going to move up to AAA. We don't even know where he's starting for sure, but it does seem like the early word is he's going to start in AA. So he's basically got to jump two levels before he's even remotely considered. I'll say August 11th against the Cubs. I think August is the earliest we see him. Yeah, and the other thing is we know that AA to AAA for pitchers is a really big jump. Biggest jump. Compared yeah. to hitters, which is it seems like less of a jump for hitters. So... I think that's another thing to factor into this, the fact that he hasn't pitched in AAA at all. But then again, you know, we follow the Alec Manoa path, and he made his debut a lot earlier than any of us thought. And, you know, only I think he entered that season with, what, 37 innings in single A, and he ended up making his debut in May at Yankee Stadium. So I don't know, anything's possible. But I like the set of dates that we got. So just to recap, Jacob is earliest with uh, July 4th, um, 
very patriotic of you, Jacob. Um, and then I've got July 18th. And then Bryson, you are the latest with August 11th. So we will track those throughout the season. We'll see how they shape up. And we will return again to Ricky Teeman Watch to check in on our dates. Um, so just to wrap this episode up, let's run through some rapid fire questions from our listeners. The first from uh, Flick TC23 is what's happening with Mitch White. I don't know how to answer this question. Um, I think right now it's looking like he's going to be a long guy out of the bullpen. What do you guys think? Well, I would assume... I guess the question is whether he's a long guy out of the bullpen or stretched out in AAA. Like, I feel like those are kind of the two options at this point, depending on what happens with Kikuchi in spring training. Well, yeah, he's not going to be in the rotation. I think he's... he's it's. I think it's bullpen. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts out there. Leash is going to be quite short. I wouldn't be honestly... You think of like... Not not necessarily equal comparisons, but guys like uh, Taylor Saucedo, Trent Thornton, kind of up and I know it's not the best comparison, but like up and uh, up and down between the majors and the minors, where they need them. Like I don't know, it's just to start the season. I think that like as the season progresses, they'll understand or he'll understand what his role is, and the team will understand where he fits. But I think he starts off uh, in the majors out of the bullpen. Mark, you're going to love this one. I forgot to mention it. Shout oh, no. out to Trent Thornton, who also looks like he's in the best shape of his life oh, no. in spring training. <laughs> but um, the other thing you have to look at is Mitch White is now out of options. So we know the whole waiver process if he they don't want him on the team. Um, and that's why he's got an advantage over a guy like Nate Pierce and Zach Pop, who both have options. We know he's delayed in the buildup. So I'm going to say long man out of the bullpen as well. I think that's kind of... The early indication, barring any other factors that happen, he's out of options. They really have no choice but to have him start in the bullpen. All right, so we're all on the same page with that one. Uh, the next question from Naden: Does Addison Barger make the opening day roster, or should Barger only be brought up when there's an opportunity for playing time? And I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode. It seems like there's not a lot of uncertainty in the spring training. Like A lot of the positions are already figured out, and just because of that, I don't think Barger is going to make his is going to break in on the season on the opening day roster. Like I think it's going to take a little bit of time for like an injury to pop up for him or for him to you know play really well in AAA for him to get the call up to the majors and get some playing time. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we we I, I wouldn't be surprised if we can pretty much predict the entire roster right now. And and you know it's unfortunate for the prospects, but it's kind of set in stone right now who's going to be where and, and everything so i i think that it's it's probably gonna he's no way he starts the season out uh on the roster i like you guys just don't see it happening um i mean addison barger is highly regarded in the system at some point i do think we'll see him this year but i mean you look at the bench uh in terms of the infield it's santiago espinal Kevin biggio whit merrifield all of kind of in a weird mixture of who's going to play or whatnot obviously whit merrifield is going to have outfield time as well. I think, according to Fangraphs too, Nathan Lucas is projected as the fourth outfielder right now. So, it just all these guys seem set in stone for me, uh, especially the infield. I mean, Espinal, Biggio, Merrifield. That's that's already a logjam as you as it is. So I yeah, I don't think it's happening right out of the gate. But I do think we'll see him at some point this year. Yeah, I guess the fourth outfielder is the biggest debate that we're going to be having in spring training. But Addison Barger being a guy who's like on the infield, mostly the left side of the infield. Like it's kinda of already filled up with who the Blue Jays have there with like those guys that you just mentioned. So yeah, I don't see him breaking the the roster 
the major league roster to start off with. I think it'll take an injury partway through the season for him to get called up. Okay, the final question we have from Eric. We've talked about it a little bit. Why is Kikuchi already growing a playoff beard? Is this a sign of a deep playoff run with Kikuchi as our ace? Or is it a sign that his time with the Jays are numbered? Um, (laughs) I don't think it's a sign of him being an ace on a deep playoff run for the Blue Jays. Uh, as much as I would like to believe that. I th- I will say, I think his beard is going to have some mythical power in it. <laughs> I think his beard is going to be the catalyst for him doing really well this season. And nothing you guys can say can convince me otherwise. So whenever I talk about jinxes and you say jinxes are, quote, not Here real, um, I, explain yourself. It's, it's how, the beard. <laughs> how could something that I say impact a player hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles away on a field when they have no connection to me. That's my point. Whenever I do that, you say jinxes aren't real. Yeah, jinxes aren't real. That's but the beard, the beard is going to have <laughs> mythical power. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Two different conversations. If Kikuchi <laughs> has if if Kikuchi has an ERA <laughs> under 3.5 this season, I will shave my beard on the pot. Not kidding. <laughs> but... Th- yeah. That was that was right. the dumb. <laughs> we got it on the record. <laughs> no, okay, no, I, I, like I, it's it's funny. I think that people are making such a big deal out of it. Um, I hope it does something. I mean, it's you know, doesn't look bad on him, but like I I don't know. I don't really know what to make of it. I, I'm just happy to see that he's still on the team and he's still willing to work with uh with everybody there. I think Jacob, you're just jealous that you don't get the same attention with your beard. So I was wondering, like, do you have any <laughs> mythical power with your beard? Like, do you think you have any mythical power with it? <laughs> okay. Well, I just I look at it. Can you just imagine like society if you say Kikuchi turned into what uh, our listener just asked? Like, that would be pretty electric. I mean, if like it feels like maybe it's just a small portion, but it does feel like a lot of people are rooting for him. Like they, a lot of people really do want to see him fix things. And I, I'm with you. Like, I think he had plenty of time to work on it. He's changed the look. A lot of people like to do that when things aren't working out. So I don't mind it. I mean, I think, um, obviously he's not going to be an ace and I don't think, you know, it just, you can only imagine what society would be though, if that happened, but to be a serviceable fifth starter is not out of the question. We've talked about it all episode. He's going to have plenty of opportunities out or early out of the gate and he needs to capitalize on it. It can't be like last year. He needs to he needs to really get out to a, a good start. As a fifth starter, we knew we obviously have different expectations for a fifth starter, but if he can get the job done, they got to keep rolling with him and right now he's the only guy that they have right now. So, I uh, I can see it. Yep. Absolutely. Um okay, thank you to our listeners for those questions. If you want to submit your own questions, you can join our Discord. The link is in our bio on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can check it out there and it's also going to be in the description of this podcast. Um, okay. That's all we got for today. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. By the time we come back, we may be recording on the very same day as the first game of spring training. So that's really exciting. We're going to actually have real baseball to talk about soon enough. Um, as always, you can support our podcast by, uh, giving us a rating and review on, any platform you listen on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Spotify or YouTube or whatever you listen on. Um, you can also support us on our Buy Us a Coffee page. You can find that again in the link in our bio 
on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find it below this podcast. And we will be back in a week's time to talk more Blue Jays baseball. We'll catch you then. Pretty little thing, let me light the count called Mama. I'm so hot to hell and I, yes, I am. I'm a big old man, mama.